Well, we're doing that. Colossians 3, and we're starting at verse 1. We're going to verse 17. I wonder if we could pray before we uh, read God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that this, uh, that you are here, Lord, and that you are working, and we pray that you'll continue to do so, Lord. And we pray that the words that are spoken in this part, Lord, will be more than, more than words. That will be very evident that your Spirit is here, that your Spirit is at work, Lord. May what is spoken, certain parts that need to be, uh, may they come alive, Lord. May they challenge us. And may they bring us closer to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's read. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who's your life, appears, then you will also you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which has been renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That sounded very Scottish there when I said creator, didn't it? Creator. Here there is no here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, oh dear, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. Amen. So, if you have been listening to my talks over a reasonable amount of time, you'll begin to realize that a pattern emerges. And uh, there's a couple of things. I speak very fast. I speak very fast. Whenever I listen back to it, you can do this little thing on your phone where you slow down on an iPhone. And I find that's a lot easier to understand, even myself, uh, when I do that. Another thing, I often have three points. I have three things, the classic three points to take away. It's good, yeah, people like that. I think that's, I think that's okay. But also, and finally, I have mainly illustrations that link in with my absolute rubbish TV habits. I always seem to link in with rubbish TV uh, that I'm watching. Uh, what, this morning is different. I just wanted to declare that. This morning is different. There uh, are a few TV gold moments. 
And uh, many have tried to eclipse this thing that I'm going to speak about right now, but they have failed. This program stands strong uh, when it comes to TV programs, uh, and it was last on in 2009. And the show I'm talking about is How Clean Is Your House? Does anyone remember How Clean Is Your House? We had Kim and Aggie, who were armed with their rubber gloves and with these cleaning products, who they did, I think they were illegal, some of the chemicals that they were bringing into these households. And uh, these houses were on their last legs. They were completely, completely just trashed, a lot of them. They were completely falling apart. And they'd come in and they'd transform them. They'd completely transform them. I admired these two ladies, but there was something quite intimidating about them. There was something quite intimidating about them. The before and after photos were always my favorite when it showed you what the, the place was like before and what it was like now. And you heard the voiceover guy saying, this used to be, Edith, this was Edith's, uh, before Edith had to climb over all this trash to get to her window. And now she can sleep okay in her bed. And you're like, where did you sleep before if her bed wasn't there? Just that complete transformation. There's no denying that. We, have a, we are a nation who love to see stories of transformation. We love to see things change from one thing to another, the before and after. We have shows like DIY SOS. We have grand designs. We have homes under the hammer where it shows transformation. We love seeing cars and houses being given the before and after treatment. There's something about it that energizes us, that gives us hope, that, that puts a smile on our face, that excites us. One of my uh, favorite shows as well is George Clark's Amazing Spaces. I don't know if anybody has seen that. Uh, this program is where he transforms the smallest of spaces into livable uh, places. So it's like little caravans and uh, shipping containers, and he changes them into holiday homes. Uh, there was this one example, and it was a very rare camper van that this uh, man had bought. And this camper van was uh, originated in the 1970s. There was only one of them. It was imported from America. There was only one of them in the UK. And they'd done the most amazing, amazing job. It completely transformed it. And it made me think, this camper van, it made me think of adventure. It made me think of adventure. And the, the very first verse in this passage, the message translation says this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. That's a good ringtone. Act like it. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life, act like it. There's no mincing of words here with Paul in this passage. We see very clear uh, in the how clean is your house, the before and after, the transformation. And I could speak about transformation this morning, but I felt God speaking to me about the camper van that I've seen being transformed and about adventure. I don't know what it is, but I, I want a camper van. I think that's something that I want to aspire to. I want to purchase a camper van. I want to go away. I want to do road trips. I want to take adventures. And if anybody wants to gift me one, I am ready and willing and have open hands for that. But this journey of life with Jesus, if we believe and trust in Jesus this morning, is to be the most exciting adventure that life will ever bring. And if we don't get excited as a church family by these facts that we are saved by grace not by the doing, not by earning, but through Jesus' death on the cross. If we don't get excited about the fact that we are forgiven for all the bad decisions that we make in the past, right now, in the future, if we don't get excited about that, if we don't get excited by the fact that we are loved with an everlasting love by a God who never gives up on us, who is always alongside us in the good times and the bad times, 
If we don't get excited by that in the day-to-day, how can we get other people excited? How can we get people out there excited? I believe that God wants us to live a life full of adventure and very similar to living in camper vans. Now, when I say that statement, I do not mean it literally. I do not want us all to sell our houses and go buy camper vans and none of you to turn up at church next week and me to think, where are you all? And you're away on a fancy weekend somewhere. God wants our lives to be full of adventure and similar similar to living in camper vans. And I'm speaking about spiritually. There's a couple of things that I think Paul instructs us to do that I'd love us to unpack this morning so that we're living with Jesus on a real adventure. The first thing is that we sacrifice comfort. That we sacrifice comfort. Secondly, that we keep clean. And then thirdly, that we take time to be thankful. There's actually four points. (laughs) How funny is that? After me saying about the three points. And the fourth point is we keep Jesus on the journey with us. So that's what I want to do. Does that sound good? Brilliant. So the first thing is Oh, we don't have any PowerPoint. We don't have a PowerPoint. That's okay. The first thing is sacrifice comfort. The camper van that I seen on this TV program was incredible. It had side doors that you slide across, but actually when you opened them up, there was this tent thing and it opened up into a tent so you could get five people into this camper van at each side and there was poles that you put up and you could get the whole family and it was incredible. It had all the comforts of a home in, its, in, in the wheels, in the, within the four wheels. Everything they needed. But within most camper vans that I see and on TV and sold new, there's something that doesn't sit right with me. And it's that fact that you have king-size beds. You have the state-of-the-heart sound system. You have the fancy cooker that is fancier than the one that you have at home. You have the 32-inch TV. You have the power shower, the fancy gadgets, the luxury Now, it's possible to go camping and never have to go outside. Yet we deck it out with the similar furnishings that we have in our living room. So nothing really changes. We may drive to a new place, set ourselves in new surroundings, but the newness goes unnoticed. For we've carried along our old setting. We've carried along what is familiar. The adventure of new life in Christ when the comfortable patterns of the old life are le- aren't left behind, they need to be left behind. How many of us are trying to drag along the old life, almost in one of those big sacks, just dragging it along, the old life? How many of us does that picture resonate with? Verse 9 says, uh, Paul says, You have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of the Creator. When we go on this adventure with Jesus, it's an adventure that requires sacrifice. And comfort is one of them to be laid down, to travel light. Paul says to set our hearts and our minds on the things above, and when we do that, God transforms us. The things that seem important in a worldly sense actually don't matter. And the things we use for comfort in a worldly sense, we begin to realize, actually, we're not meant to carry that stuff around anymore. It could be a number of things. It could be to live a life in simplicity. The stuff that we own, how we spend our money, how we view money, material wealth. It could be a life where to remember uh, that we're given a voice to speak against injustice and the wrongs in the world 
slavery, war, poverty. We were doing that this morning, praying for our world, our nation. It could be a life where we have to shake off complacency. And maybe there's a number of us who have just settled. It's routine. It's same old. It's the comfortable life, ticking along nicely. Where are we too comfortable this morning? When I hear the word adventure, I don't hear the word comfort near it. It just doesn't fit. When I think of living in a camper van, I think of exciting journeys. What next? This is slightly bumpy. What about this road? Oh, I don't know where I'm going. But I think, wow, I'm seeing amazing things happen. It's quite tough, but it's so worth it. A couple of years ago, I went on a mission trip to Sri Lanka, and uh, that was my stepping out, sacrificing comfort moment. I'm a guy who likes a can of iron brew and a, a scotch pie or a mince pie and fish and chips. I was heading to Sri Lanka, and it was curry for breakfast, curried rolls for breakfast. It was curried for, curry for lunch. It was curry for dinner. And it was tough. <laughs> it was tough. But not only that, in terms of culturally, in terms of uh, stepping out of a comfort zone in terms of the surroundings, the houses you visited, the, the things that you've seen. But in amongst that, in amongst that, slightly being terrified and feeling out of my comfort zone, boy, did I feel and encounter God in a way that I have never encountered God before. And that's the, one of the best examples I have in my life. It's the most out of my comfort zone I've ever been, but I've seen God move in the most incredible ways. God uses those decisions and that lifestyle for his glory. And we look, if we look at Paul, the guy who wrote this letter, he could never be accused of being too comfortable. He'd been put in prison, he's been shipwrecked. And in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six, it says this, I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. Wow. <laughs> Where are we too comfortable? Where have we been complacent in our walks with God? Somebody once said about complacency, it's a blight that saps energy. Attitudes and, uh, attitudes and causes a drain on the brain. The first symptom is satisfaction with the things uh, they are okay the way they are. The second is a rejection of things as they might be. Good enough becomes the watchword that we use. Complacency makes people fear the unknown, mistrust the untried, and hate the new. Like water, complacent people follow the easiest course, downhill. They draw false strength from looking back. I don't want that. I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for City Church Ellen. For us to say, oh, that's good. That's good enough. We're doing all right, aren't we? We're ticking a few boxes. We're having a church service. We're meeting every week. I'm heading along most weeks. We want to live alongside a living God who wants us to reject the worldly ideas of comfort to travel light, and to go out and bless the socks off as many people as we can that we encounter in our weeks. Journeying without comfort, away from the distractions, but alongside God. Not, and this is not to guilt us. If there's a few of us thinking, oh gosh, it's not to guilt us, but it's to draw us closer. That when we leave here, we feel 
that God is alongside us in the weeks that we have coming ahead to make a change, to be all that we can be and not to let the enemy wrestle, wrestle us away. So we have to sacrifice comfort. Secondly, we have to keep clean. There is one thing if I was to buy a camper van that would freak me out and that is how on earth do we keep it clean? If I'm going away for two weeks, how, how do we make it work? It's such a small space. How do how do we get by day and day by day? How do I'm a bit of a clean freak as it is. I like at the end of the night when Joshua and Struan are in bed, everything, the living room needs to be tidy before I can sit down. Is there any people that are like that? I need everything, yeah. I need everything tidy before I can switch off. Uh, how, do we keep, how do we keep clean? How do we live clean lives? How do we keep our eyes focused on God? How do we live a life honoring to Jesus? We live in a world where in a matter of seconds we can jeopardize it all. And it's tough, isn't it? Because we're broken people. Life is tough. We make mistakes. Dirt will appear. It's important that we know what to do when we identify, when we find stuff that isn't great. Paul is writing to these people and he says, put to death the things that have the potential to become a thick dirt. Put to death. That will uh, Put to death. He d- notice in this, he doesn't say, stop doing these things or keep an eye on, here, keep an eye on what you're doing there. He doesn't say that. Or watch out for that. Next time, just, just be aware of that. He says, put to death. Put to death. Do whatever you can to make sure the things that are distracting you from God are stamped out. They have no room to breathe. They have no room to become an influence. Throw it out. Don't give it a chance. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Because if we don't, when we step out, and we are known as people that are Christians, people will look at us and we'll stink, we'll smell, we'll think, Christians? What do we need to do to put to death this morning? What is breathing and thriving in our lives? Maybe it's our late-night internet visits. Maybe it's our thought life drawing us to a particular man or woman that isn't our husband or wife. Maybe it's wanting the worst for people. Maybe it's wanting people to fail. Maybe it's an unhealthy attitude to accumulating stuff. And then the euphoria drops and we need to fill that gap again. Maybe it's the fly-off-the-wall hand. Maybe it's the, the... arguments that we have with our our partners that right away we fly off the handle and we don't know what happened. Maybe it's the swearing. Maybe it's speaking about other people behind other people's backs to make us look good. Put to death this morning that we say no more in Jesus' name. As I was preparing this, I felt God challenge me on a few things and this morning I will be going to the back and I will be putting to death some things that I need to put to death. I'll be stamping on it and I'll be saying no more. I wonder if we could pray just now and invite the Holy Spirit to come. There may be things as I've, I've just listed out those. It could be something completely different that you thought, oh. Lord, we invite your Spirit afresh. We open our hearts. Will you search us? Search our minds. Search our hearts.
highlight what needs to be highlighted. John Wimber said, show me where you spend your time, money, and energy, and I will show you what you worship. Lord, will you reveal that right now? And anything that's not of you, we declare and say we want to put it to death this morning. We want to say no more this morning. have time as we always do at the end of the service if you uh, want to receive prayer. So we put up the guards, we make up a plan, we have a daily uh, hand it to Jesus moment, we share with someone perhaps as well who will ask about it, we pray, we identify the danger zones where it rears its head, we be real, we be brave, and I'm aware that I mention a lot about finding somebody that we, we share with. And as I said, I have stuff that regularly I need to put to death. And I don't want to be on this journey smelly and rotten. I don't want to miss opportunities for God to use me. And He can still use me when I'm a bit smelly, but I want to fully be available. I want nothing to hold me back. I want somebody to ask me the difficult questions so I have those squeaky bum moments and I go, I want to be anywhere else but here. But I know that God, iron sharpens iron. I had a picture while I was preparing this uh, point and it was of a trap door. And the trap door, underneath this trap door, there was some stuff that was just stinking, it was smelling, it was parts of our lives that we don't like, that we, we close over and there was a rope on this trap door and you could pull it. And there's maybe a few of us this morning and we've been prepared to open it a wee bit, you know, just a little bit. And we've managed, you know, the way it's just at an angle, so it's kind of like this. And we've managed to drag some of the stuff out of it. We've managed to just get to some of the stuff. Jesus is saying, I want that door to be flung open this morning. I want you to pull that rope and for that door to completely open and for light to pierce into that, into that trap door, into what's beneath there. I want to do that this morning. So Paul says, put this stuff to death. Then he tells us what to live out of. That we can keep clean on this adventure by following these instructions. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, in verse 12, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So Paul's saying, clothe yourself, put it on. Make a decision to wear these things. Almost picture it in the morning. Picture it in the morning as you're getting yourself ready. Clove yourself, put these things on. Humility, kindness, gentleness. Lord, as I face my day to day, I don't know what's happening or I'm stepping into difficult situations, but as I put this on, I'm putting on your kindness. I'm putting on your patience because I know it will be tested. I'm putting on compassion for the people that everybody else is speaking about and who everyone else doesn't like. I'm going to put on your compassion in those situations. So we ask God to transform our hearts and our minds. And ultimately, we have to be a people of love. (coughs) To be a people of love. How would Jesus respond in the situations that we face ourselves, that we face in the week ahead? 
in the weeks that have passed? How would Jesus respond? How, did Je- how would Jesus see that person? How would Jesus see that situation? We have to clothe ourselves. We have to keep clean. We've also, I'm looking back at the screen like it's here. Sorry. We have to take time to be thankful. We have to take time to be thankful. Verse 15 says, be thankful. Verse 16 says, sing to God with gratitude. Verse 17 says, give thanks. Paul makes a really strong point here, which I love. A couple of years ago, uh, we had a family holiday where uh, I went with most of Mary's family to Cornwall. And I think there was about 10 of us. And I could speak about how that went. (laughs) It was interesting. It was good fun. Uh, We went lots of surfing. Now, I say surfing in the lightest term possible. I go into the water and I hold on to the board. And if I leave the water holding the board, that is surfing to me. And that is success. So (coughs) we went surfing. And uh, one night I went out with my two brothers-in-law. And we went out just for a drink and to, to hang out. We played some pool. And then we walked home. And it was quite a walk home, about 20 minutes. And uh, we walked out, and it was maybe six, seven years ago, but I still remember that walk home. I remember stepping out at about half 12 at night and uh, walking back, and the sky just being alive. It was alive. And I don't know if it, uh, no, it wouldn't have been the alcohol because I only had two beers at that time. But I remember walking out, and I just see in the sky, and there's stars everywhere. And it was one of those evenings, you know, when you look at the stars and it's like all these other stars are just dotting up. And the more you look, the more you can see. And it's almost like the whole bit in fr- path in front of you is lighting up and it's like pitch darkness, but the stars are just incredible. It was a bit like a magic eye picture. That's the only thing I could, you know, just more stuff being revealed. And when I got home that night, I snuggled into bed and I spent a good chunk of that time just being thankful to God. That a God that could create that light show, that all those millions and millions of stars, that who is over everything, knows me by name. And I said thanks. And isn't that the most incredible love? Psalm 147 says, He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Wow. Isaiah 43 I have called you by name. You are mine. It's good to say thanks. Thank you, God, that you love each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who you sent to take our brokenness onto himself so we could have relationship. Thank you. Even though we have troubles, you are greater and you are above them all. Thank you that the enemy has no claim to me. Thank you that The enemy may try us, but you are our protector. Thank you that you are our savior. Thank you that you have overcome the world. And it's a choice to cultivate thankfulness. It's a choice. Because I'm not up here saying that life is rosy and we have to be thankful all the time through uh, that, that we forget about all the bad stuff. Life can be rubbish. There's a, a lady called Anne Voskemp who wrote a book called 1,000 Gifts. And in this, uh, she, her testimony, she grew up and had a, a, a very difficult life, a very difficult upbringing. And uh, this book is about journaling her days with things that she is thankful for, even in the darkest, toughest times. And she found it 
actually it revealed more of God's goodness in the wilderness than she could ever imagine. When she took time to be disciplined and to thank God for, for whatever, whatever she sees, whatever she has. And I know Mary, my wife, she read that book. And I would see her at nighttime writing these lists. And I thought, oh gosh, this is a list for me. I've got more stuff to do. Uh, but actually, it was all these things she was thankful for. And it was just, it was just the most incredible thing. We had, we had a look through it together. And it does. It just opens your eyes to our God. I'd encourage you, if you've not read that book, to how we look at it. Dig it out, uh, search for it on Amazon, and uh, you, can, you can do that. It blessed her richly. If we go back to that picture of the camper van from the program, uh, it was built, it was transformed, and when I looked at the finished product, it had a little bubble at the top. It was like a glass bubble. And as we were zooming into this picture, I thought, what on earth is that for? That kind of stands out like a sore thumb. What are they using that for? And when it was completed, I realized it was, for the, it was for what I'd like to call the moments of thankfulness. Because at any point, you could stop that camper van, you could get, out, get into the middle of the camper van, you could pop your head up into this glass bubble and just take a look around. Just take a look around, 360 view. You could take it in and, and be thankful. I wonder if we as a group of people could have those moments where we stop in our busy mental just frantic lives, to take moments in our days where we stop, that we remember that picture of the glass uh, bubble, and we take a look around and we notice where we need to say thanks. And then finally, just to close, we keep Jesus on the journey. Paul says in verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus keep Jesus on the journey. For a lot of us here, there's a tension. There's a tension that we have our workplaces. We have places that we go throughout the week, and there's a tension of bringing Jesus into that workplace. And it can be really tough. I had experience of that when I was working in the bank. I used to work in Santander as a financial advisor. And I'm not saying I took lots of opportunities, but I, and the number of times that I did, when I took the plunge, I knew that God honored it, and God surprised me, and used me more than I thought he could, through conversations, through mentioning, you know, it's the, what did you get up to the weekend? Oh, just, just stuff. What did you get up to the weekend? Oh, I went to church. Oh, God. And all of a sudden, you know, God honors those moments. God honors those conversations. And it might look different to us where that tension lies, Maybe it's when we go home. Maybe it's right after this morning. Maybe it's when we visit certain family members. Maybe it's when we go to the gym. Maybe it's when we're playing football. Maybe in those situations, it's where other people, Jesus is the last thing on those people's minds. There's a battle. And the reality is it's easy right here. Every Sunday, we're all here for the same purpose, mainly. Some of us are here for the cookies, George. <laughs> Joking. Love you. But we can have him alongside us. We can have Jesus alongside us. That when we leave here, when the rubber hits the road, after our cookie and our coffee at quarter past 12 every Sunday, and that's what I've been praying, that all of us here this week, that we keep him on the journey. That we don't leave him here. It's important that we allow Jesus into everything. 
that we don't hide him away, we don't drop him off at a certain destination, drive and then pick him up again at different points of our life. But we keep him on board. We give him the room, we listen, and we're not afraid to go when he tells us to go. Because that's when we'll see stuff happen. That's when we'll see miracles happen. That's when we'll see people to come to faith. That's when we'll see our friends sitting next to us at church. That's when we'll see people be healed. And that's adventure. That's an adventure where stuff will happen. That's an adventure where people will be drawn to Jesus, the hope of the world. John Wimber said this quote, and I'm just going to end on this. I'm just change in his pocket. He can spend me any way he wants. What a great picture. And what a great prayer for our own lives as we face the week. That's a real adventure right there, that prayer. Why don't we stand?